1: And blues live on locker room my name is Steve Lippmann. I am with as always Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone uh, first question is to Dan Dan what was the greatest lesson that you learned in college
0: oh uh, the Ochem really sucks that Ochem.
1: and and can you uh, elaborate on what exactly that means organic
0: is that it Organic chemistry sucks. That's that's the my big takeaway. What kind of stuff do they teach you in there? You know, carbon things like that.
1: Mm, carbon and the others, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now you'll never have to take it again. So yes. how do you
0: feel? Yeah, I I like sophomore year. I had to take it both semesters, and ever since, I feel like my life has been a lot better. So yeah, Emily, what was your least favorite class
1: in school?
2: Um, in school in general? Yes. Ooh, that's hard. I'm, was a pretty big nerd, still am, so I (laughs) like school a lot.
1: You love to learn, that's why you do the podcast.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I like school. I was like, I'm, I really like standardized tests. I like to like take tests and stuff. I'm really, I'm really cool. Yeah, I almost took the LSAT for fun once. But then it cost a lot of money, so I didn't do it. <laughs> what?
1: That is, I just that wanted sounds to know like how another I life. Do. And okay, what if you got like, in, oh, like, as a bit? Or I guess it's not getting in, you would pass the LSAT.
2: Yeah, you have to, like, take, that's, like, your entrance exam for law school. So then I was, like, maybe, I was at a point where, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was, like, maybe I'll just take the LSAT for fun and see how I do. Maybe I'll go to law school.
1: Wow. You know, uh, there are comments here <laughs> in, uh, in the uh, chat here. That, uh, people would like, you know, Harrison and Buckets GN would like us to talk a little bit about the Vivian stuff. I read the Daily Beast article about it today, and it was just great. I loved it. I thought it was just a really wonderful journey. I didn't know about any of these people before this. Did, do you guys have any? Did you guys know this podcast or, or these
0: people? No, I need all this explained to me. I'm still I'm still behind on this.
1: Emily, did you read that article?
2: Yeah, I sent that article
1: to you. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I normally
2: I, I normally read things before I send them.
1: That's fair. Okay. Um, How would now you explain it? I know that
2: you it? guys don't read things before you send them, so
0: that's good. no. If I see <laughs> no, a good I, headline, hey, that was I'm sending you. it. That wasn't me.
1: Um, So, uh, Emily, how would you summarize what happened? Because when I say I read it, I really skimmed it uh, for the best parts. So if you could get into the details.
2: I will share what I understand about it if anyone in the chat uh, (laughs) has more information that they would like to share. So it seems that there was a...
1: One sec. You know, Vivian could be in the chat.
2: Vivian could be
1: be Harrison or Bucket's GM. We never know.
2: Either with an E or an A, Vivian. Exactly. Sorry
1: to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So there is this Lakers podcast. I'm unsure if it's a popular Lakers podcast or just a Lakers podcast, but it was hosted by Vivian and another man, um, or not another man, a man, a guy. Um, and it was said that, you know, Vivian was undergoing cancer treatments and she had like photoshopped these pictures of herself at Lakers games that came out, but then the guy, her co-host of the podcast, oh, Buckets GN, he knows, he knows where Vivian, he's Vivian now. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. Um, her co-host of the podcast kind of came out and said, hey, everyone keep your eyes out for Vivian. She's missing. Um. She, you know, doesn't have, she's undergoing cancer treatments. This is really scary. Like, let's find her. And then, like, O'Shea Jackson, a.k.a. The, you know, the actor Ice Cube's son was tweeting about right. finding her. And then then the co-host of the podcast was like, hey, she was found. But then it came out that she was a catfish through, like, this man that she was kind of, like, dating. And then there was, like, a, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, murky stuff about it that's where I start to lose it but basically like and then she was like I'm not a catfish and she shared this like quick video of herself <laughs> holding a sign that said I'm Vivian but she spelled her name wrong or differently and there was like saying she was like playing basketball overseas but the back of her jersey had her first name on it <laughs> it was it's very strange I'm, on, I'm unsure like how long it seems like the character of Vivian goes back pretty late and long. Um, but So
1: part I, of, part of how it was exposed is that people discovered, I think when you look a little more closely at her pictures, that they all look pretty like shabbily Photoshop, that it's like a head on a different body or like a Snapchat filter on a face. And is that, is that what you have found as well that like a lot of the pictures didn't check out?
2: Yeah, from looking at it, that's what looks like. Sometimes it looks like it's it's multiple different people. Um, so Vivian had sixteen thousand followers on Twitter, which is more than the three of us combined.
1: It's a way lot more than yeah, the three that's three of true.
2: Combined. Yeah, so that's, that's why. Pretty popular.
1: Um. Well, so the first yeah. thing that I saw is that people thought that this fella, Josh was Vivian. And he had been doing a podcast with himself, but changing the voice on the other end. I mean, holy shit, what a day that would be if that's but how he, you spent it. He didn't do that?
0: That's, that's I don't
1: know. Well, because he said that he was like out searching. She was a missing person, and he was out searching for her in the sweltering heat. And then eventually he tweeted, like, Vivian has been found. We got her. She's, she's healthy and safe. But again, what he's saying now is that he was duped. Personally, my favorite outcome would be that he was her the whole time and that he was having conversations like we're having now just with himself on the other end. I don't know how you work that, but uh, I think it it really sounds great.
2: Yeah, and um, Bucket's GN in the chat points out that Kevin Durant was also really invested in this Vivian, and he was on Clubhouse, I believe, like in a chat Uh being like, asking all these heat a lot of questions about the situation and we know that durant is a prolific twitter user so i don't know if he's like you know i don't know what he's gathering information for but it's very interesting he's he's always has his finger on the pulse that kevin
1: durant he really does um i I mean if, if, if it was like danny green is weighing in on the vivian stuff i'd be like you know what danny i'm actually good i don't need you to get in the weeds on this one um I don't know about you guys. I love that show Catfish. I've watched it a million times. I think it's fascinating. And one thing that they always do, the catfishers, actually, they always give the catfish cancer or a car accident to, like, get people to care about them more. So for me, I hope that Neve gets involved and and he can really crack the case because this would be a great episode.
2: Yeah, because that's um, what happened with Manti Teo, right? Like, didn't his like catfish girlfriend have cancer and then die or something?
1: Yes, and then she never existed, and it was right. just a fella on his laptop. I, Amazing. I mean, just Crazy. just a just just absolutely bananas. So, uh, Vivian, we'd love to have you on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, for I think sure. that would be a that would be a huge episode. Um, I don't know if the Sixers are playing the Lakers soon, or if we could sort of. Maybe she has a cousin that's from Philadelphia. She's not even real. So she
0: can have a cousin from anywhere. Um, As if we can, we've we ever need needed to have anyone on this podcast anyway.
1: I know. We just talked to the guy from it's, you know, It's been a really fun run. Um, getting to the Sixers, and, and I trust that uh, Harris and her buckets will uh, let us know if there's any breaking Vivian news. But uh, the Sixers the other day played the Golden State Warriors. Without Simmons and without uh, – Simmons was out with an illness and Tobias Harris was out with knee soreness. Um, and they lost because Steph Curry went absolutely out of his mind. He's unbelievable. I don't know. I want to hear what you guys thought watching this game. But I was watching it and the Sixers were like within five or even went up three with some nice play by Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel, which is fun. Um, and then Curry just went absolutely off. And like – I couldn't be mad about the loss at all. Like, to me, it was like they were playing a superhuman, and what are you going to do? Like, there's nothing you can do against this guy when he's hitting shots like that. Um, I was totally fine with the loss. Of course, I want him to win every game, but uh, it wasn't one that really kept me up or or bothered me in a big way. Dan, what did you think uh, watching that game?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, because it's the only game we all picked him to win this week. And so, of course... (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh, And, you know, none of us expected... Ben and Tobias to be out and so again like I agree with you 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 can't be too upset about it you know even even less than you would be upset about an average bad loss I mean this is just like and and they they did double Joel again especially you know near the end um, which concerned me um, just because it was very effective but it'll be less effective when we have when we have Ben Mm and Tobias back Um, yeah Steph Steph is unbelievable Uh, there's really nothing else to say about that I have one for you guys. Could you tell me the What's two that? sisters in that game who had a positive plus minus? There were two.
2: Mike Scott probably one of them.
0: Mike Scott was a plus 11. Wow, great guess. <laughs> great guess. I'm trying um, to think of
2: who I think played the worst, and I'm like, that's probably the answer to the
1: question. <laughs> was it like Mike Scott and Dwight?
0: It was not Dwight. Dwight was a minus five. Ooh. And Joel was what a about minus
2: Matisse, he had a three, so I'm going to guess Matisse.
0: Matisse was the worst on the team, minus 17, yeah. although he played play fine. But That's crazy, and, and point people
1: were saying that Matisse is a big reason that they came back in that game. Or not even came back, but, but sort of
0: held down the fort in that game.
2: This is the evidence um, that plus minus is silly.
0: Oh, it's absolutely mm-hmm. silly, but this I think it's fun.
2: right here. No, it is.
0: Um... Mike Scott, and John Tucker? It was not Rayjean Tucker. Rajon Tucker was a net zero in his 29 seconds, as was Isaiah eh, All right. What about Paul hey, Reed?
2: Right.
0: Ooh. Paul Reed did not play.
2: Oh, I thought he That's got in.
0: bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he should have gotten
1: in. He should have gotten in. Uh, Dan, tell us, who who else was the positive plus minus? It
2: We've worked on
0: Korkmaz, So oh. ooh. He actually <laughs> played well. Korkmaz and Scott both started. They're the only two players who started who aren't the usual five starters and they were the only two players on the team who were a positive plus minus which is very weird. because Joel was you minus know, six.
1: Starter Korkmaz is really something else. he's he's playing great lately and it feels like it'll be I'll be a, a bit surprised if he's not in the playoff rotation at this at this uh, pace. Um, just to double back, I have the box score in front of me now we're talking about Steph Curry. Uh, he had 49 points on 28 shots. He made 10 threes, 10 of his 17 threes. He made 11 of 12 free throws. It was out of this world. Uh, Emily, did you have any other takeaways other than just sort of nothing you can do about it, especially with the shorthanded Sixers team and with Curry playing like that?
2: Yeah, I wasn't mad about it, um... I mean, it, it's always fun even to watch Steph play like that, and you just, there's nothing you can do. They're guarding him, and they're guarding him fine, really, and he just makes everything that he puts up sometimes. Um, I do want to say, like like we said, Burkham I think it continues to play really well, and I thought Matisse played, even though he was a minus 17, Matisse played really good defense. He was like all over the floor in that game. Um, we've always said that he's a good defender. It's really his offense that needs a little bit, leads some to be desired, but I just wanted to like shout him out for his just continuous active hands and arms. And he's just all over the place.
1: Yeah. You know, and Matisse's offense lately has looked a lot better and it not necessarily, I don't know that he's hitting, you know, a higher percentage of threes lately, but he's like diversifying a little bit in how he scores, which before this, it was basically just catch-and-shoot wide-open threes, but he's taking some more drives to the basket. He even made, like, a jumper off the dribble. I, I've been happy to see him, you know, come out of his shell a little bit more and show he's really athletic, you know, like, he had this yeah, great— He had great
2: dunk, too.
1: He had this great fast-break dunk where he windmilled, and, like, he's he's more athletic than, than you think at first. Dan, were you going to say
0: something? Oh, no, I was just—I thought that was a very nice dunk. It was a
1: very nice dunk. Um, this also saw the uh, Sixers debut of George Hill, who uh, came off the bench. He played 18 minutes. Um, I, you know, he made a couple of nice plays here and there. He really ended up on the highlight, le- highlight reel with Steph Curry. Uh, Doc Rivers said that George Hill asked for the assignment, and I just can't imagine the sort of buyer's remorse of George Hill after that being like, oh. I actually... I actually take it back. I didn't mean Steph. I meant I want to guard Draymond. That's what I said. Um, what did you guys think of, of George Hill in a Sixers uniform,
0: Dan? Um, you know, he he, he was fine. I, I thought that, you know, he, he clearly looks like a player who will help them. Um, I thought that that game was just so... Um, it was so dominated by, by Steph Curry, especially towards the end. Um, and, and, you know, Hill he'll did a nice job while he was in, but he didn't do anything crazy. I mean, he only had two points. Um, in that type of game in particular with all those guys out, I hope that once he, you know, gets more comfortable with the team, he can be a guy who can score some points if we ever have to play again with a few of our guys out. Um, but, you know, he did a nice job. I guess, you know, he played as good a defense as you can when a guy is – not going to miss any shots from thirty-five feet in, so um, yeah, th- n- nothing, nothing crazy from from George Hill. I thought just you know maybe at the lower end of what you would expect from him coming in, but he wasn't horrible.
1: Yeah, you know George Hill hasn't played in a while too because he hadn't played in a long time in uh, OKC, and then uh, he had to deal with this thumb thing. Um, Emily, you you still feel positively about George Hill and the Sixers?
2: Yeah, I think that Hill he'll affect them positively and be a valuable member of the rotation. Um, he looked really handsome in his uniform
1: Mm -hmm. and he's got
2: great shoulders. He's wearing the number of my one true love. So you have to put, you know, some respect on that Jersey. So he's got to do number 33 proud,
1: right? He's wearing Covington's number. Um, I I
0: thought you
1: would find him. Yes. Emily's favorite sixer of all time. Andrew Bynum. Um, -hmm. The other thing, you know, uh, Harrison mentioned in the chat that Seth and Danny Green were the only ones to sort of have a prayer against uh, Steph Curry. Yeah, I thought that, you know, Seth, there's just only so much you can do when he's going off like that. Uh, In terms of the George Hill discussion, uh, Buckets mentioned that Shake needs to figure it out. I think that what we're seeing with Shake is that he's just not necessarily consistent enough to be the guy off the ball, like uh, controlling the ball. Uh, with the bench units that I think I'd like to see him more as a secondary guy at all times. Um, Would you guys agree with that, Emily? Like, you know, Shake's had a bit of an up and down year overall. I think he's been good, but I think in, in tough moments, they're going to have to be careful about relying on him too much.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And we've said a lot uh, like a bunch of times on this podcast that we really like Tobias out there with that bench unit to kind of bring it all together. And with it really, you see the glaring issues with it when Tobias isn't in the lineup and then you're left with shake to run that second unit and it doesn't go nearly as well as when Tobias is the one running it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Dan, are you about the same place with shake? Yeah. Yeah. I think that he's, he's at this point, maybe it'll change, but he's definitely better off ball right now. Yeah. Um, Moving on a
1: little bit to tonight, the Sixers are going to play the Phoenix Suns at home. And now this is the first of a back-to-back. Uh, the, Sixers, the Sixers play tomorrow night in Milwaukee against Giannis and the Bucks, And, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, they should rest everybody for one of these games or they should rest Joel for one of these games. I don't really know what the plan is. Very recently, uh, they uh, the updated sort of injury report has not only Tobias with right knee soreness and Ben Simmons with illness, questionable, but Joel Embiid and Seth Curry were both added as questionable. Uh, Joel with left knee recovery and uh, Seth with left, left hip flexor recovery. The one guy that's playing is Danny Green. There's no doubt about it. Danny Green's going to be out there. Um, what do you guys think? Does that signal that the Sixers are going to punt this game? In my opinion, like experience, I feel like they usually if there's a back-to-back one home one away, they'll go all out with get guys healthy to win the home one, but Milwaukee being four games behind them in the standings might make that a little different. What do you think? Do we get the full team tonight? Do we get, you know, or, or do we basically get no one? What would you say? Who's going to end up playing? What do you think, Dan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I have a feeling that we see at least a few guys sit um, maybe at least two of those four, uh, because it was just um, I think it was just Harrison Simmons originally on the injury report, um, and right. I'm looking at it right now, and here's a Harrison. Harrison tweeted that uh, last night, so not last night, but <laughs> um, you know, four thirty yesterday ish, um, and now we have we have you know Joel and Seth on there. So to me, that kind of signals more of an, I mean, like. Left knee management, That's to me, that sounds like injury management. And they had to put it, you know, they, you, you can't pull them off, off, you know, right before the game and say, oh, actually, we're just going to sit him. You have to announce that ahead of time. And the fact that, that it was fine as of last night and as of this morning, it's not when nothing happened in between. That kind of, to right. me, like someone will be sitting. But I, I don't know. I could be wrong. Obviously, I would love to see them play. I feel like I've said this a million times. But here we are playing a top team and three of our guys, three of our players are all, you know, on the injury report. Hopefully they play. I mean, usually it's the other team that has guys out, so um, it would would suck if we didn't get to see this game. It should be a good one if they're all healthy.
1: It really should. Um, The one person we know won't be able to shed any light on this is Doc Rivers, who every time there's a questionable sixer on the injury report and Doc talks before the game, he has absolutely no clue – who or what you're talking about. He's There's like, who we're playing. Fuck if I know. I don't, you know, yeah, you're right. After that one game, when Brooklyn was next, Doc goes, I had no idea they were next. Uh, you know, I, I certainly think part of that is Doc just sort of playing dumb, but uh, I don't think he'll shed much light on it unless he knows definitively that guys are out. And even then sometimes they play Emily, who do you think going to play tonight for the Sixers?
2: Um, I think that Mike Scott will be starting for the Sixers
1: tonight. Uh. Everyone's
2: favorite. <laughs> um, but in terms of people, he must be such a nice guy. Report. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm sure he's lovely. Yeah, um, I'm scared. I think Tob- Tobias needs to play. Hopefully, I would like to see him back. Um, I don't think Joel will play, which annoys me. I'm hope. Yeah, I'm hoping just. Tobias and Ben are back and maybe Joel sits and then they all play tomorrow. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, at this point, you know, Tobias and Ben just got this game off and it was Tobias's second in a row off. Uh, so you would think that those guys, if their injuries are fine or if Simmons' illness is fine and uh, Tobias's knee is feeling good, they could play both games pretty easily. Um, the Joel question is interesting because, you know, the other thing at play here is the MVP, which clearly he wants, but – It seems like he's not, you know, factoring into that race in the way that probably we all think that he deserves to. At what point do you get to the place where, you know, Joel would basically need to play every game? If people are going to talk about games played so much, you can't keep adding games to that, uh, especially for rest purposes. So, like, how do you balance that? And how do you like at what point do you basically say, forget it. Like, let's just stay healthy, be the one seed, like be ready for the playoffs. Um, And how much control over that do you even have? Because Joel has a say in it as well. And I'm sure he wants to play every game as he always does. So uh, Dan, do you have a preference on this? Do you feel like the MVP is basically lost? So let's just keep him healthy and not be too risky. Um, Or do you feel like, you know, it's a, it's a tough balance because there's one thing that the player wants, and I'm sure he wants to be out there all the time, but uh, at some point, they might have to, you know, reconcile the whole MVP chase with the, you know, the health of the team and its best player.
0: No, I mean, I, I, th- I think that it's over. The MVP race is over. Um, it was probably over as soon as he got hurt, barring a Jokic injury. I mean, even you look at Monday night, right? The Sixers, they had their best player, their second and third best players were out, um, and. You know they, they lost they lost a tough games. Steph went off. There's nothing against Joel that they lost. He had 28 points. He played okay. Um, they doubled him a lot. Same night, Jokic scored 47, had 15 rebounds, eight assists, double overtime win, and that's with Murray out for the year. Now I'm not trying mm-hmm. to say that. I, I mean, you know, I love Joel. I, I would I would take him over over Jokic, and part of that is because I'm biased, and part of it's because I really believe it. But I mean, that doesn't who I would take is not the award. And, and right now, it's not just games played. It's the fact that, like, Jokic is still playing fantastic and arguably, at this point, outplaying Joel, especially, you know, if Joel, Joel is going to have to so outplay him the rest of the year, Monday night was not the start of that. So um, I think it's time to to be responsible. I would, I would try to get him to rest a bit, um, especially because, I mean, they're, they're so lost without him and I know they kind of survived him. They had a really nice stretch when they were seven and three, um, when he had the most recent knee injury, but like in the playoffs, that's gonna mean Mike's got playoff minutes when he's out, you know, right. like which I'm already terrified we might see <laughs> based on Doc's loyalty to him. But um no, I, I, I he has they need him, they need him healthy, so I would I think it's time to to stop even talking about this award. Um as much as I would, would love him to win it. Um, they they need him healthy for the playoffs. Uh, there was always they always needed that more than anything, you know. But MVP is significant. You don't want to tell a guy not to go for that. You don't want to be the reason he can't win it. But at this point, it, he just needs. I mean, yeah, I would sit in one of these halves of back to back, for example. I, I just would.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bummer because it does feel like a losing battle. You know, it does feel like uh, as much as I would argue that like. His defense and his overall impact and his every single part of him should should really factor in more than the games missed. Uh, The voters are listening to that. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard the wind horse, Tim Bontemps thing. That was another great thing. Um, But it just seems like the the voters are really going to pay attention to that. And it's not just, you know, I think that there's a real debate to be had of Embiid versus Jokic because Jokic has been that good this year. I certainly would give it to Joel, but at some point, I think they probably will need to look at it from a realistic standpoint. And like, we, I think we all want like Joel on a warpath, having been snubbed for the MVP in the playoffs and, you know, using it as added motivation. He talked about how much not being on all NBA or all defense motivated him for this year. So we'll see Emily, Emily, what do you feel about this? Do you think, do you agree with Dan? Or do you think that you want them to still try to, play Joe every game and, you know, make it a real argument.
2: I agree with Dan to a point. Like, I think that the award is kind of a lost cause at this point. I don't think the narrative is going to shift enough into Joel's favor, even though I think that it should. But I also don't – I want Joel to be healthy for the playoffs, but I also don't like – I just, like, I don't love, like, resting players in general kind of like, I just think that if you, I know Joel's like a seven foot, very large human and it's hard to play this much basketball and that kind of body. But also, you know, I want the players on my team to want to play basketball and I don't want them to be told, no, you can't play. You feel fine, but you have to rest. Like that is kind of counterintuitive to me as like someone who wants people to be really competitive on the team that I follow. Um, yeah, if Joel's like me is bothering him a little bit. Then like, yeah, that's fine. But also, when you're playing basketball at this level, like it doesn't your body always kind of hurt at a certain point. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, clearly. Um, so I don't know what the answer well, is. Well, kind
0: of a. Yeah.
2: I'm not a doctor at all. Dan is closer to a doctor than me. That's not true. I, I'm definitely
0: true. not a doctor. You guys are I, kind of doctors. I've completed zero percent of medical school, and you've completed a very large percent of OT school.
2: But that's not medical school.
0: Yeah, but you will be a doctor of occupational therapy when I you're will,
2: done. I will not. I will just I thought that's what it was called. degree. No, oh,
0: damn. Degree.
2: Sorry. There are doctors of occupational therapy. I will not be one of them. Gosh. <laughs> um, but anyways, I don't know. Like I said, it goes back. Like, I just, I want to watch Joel play basketball. I think the best way for him to get in shape for the playoffs is to be playing in games. Um, he, he's not that far off from coming back from that injury. And I think he still seems a little out of shape as compared to earlier in the season. Um, it's hard because we don't have a lot of faith in, you know, the medical staff and those people making that decisions. Like, I wish that we did so that I could just say, I trust what they say, but like, I don't really trust them. So I'm going to pretend like I know more than them when I very clearly don't. Um, so that was a really long way of saying, I don't know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing to look ahead to is that after this week, you know, the Sixers play the Suns tonight. They play the Bucks twice, Thursday and Saturday. Um, and then after that, there's, it's a, basically a 12 game sprint until the end of the season. And most of those games are against non-playoff teams. Uh, if you think ahead and if you think that the Sixers are going to be fairly healthy for that, you would think they've talked about like old school load management, where they're ahead far enough that, Joel or Ben or whomever doesn't have to play the fourth quarter that maybe they get some rest in that way. Uh, It's tough. I do think, you know, at this point I would be really, really surprised if he won the MVP. Um, And I think that that stinks. And, and I think it's hard to hard to make him sit when he wants to play, especially in pursuit of this thing that very few people ever get to pursue in this way. So, uh, you know, I hope that, I hope that he's healthy and out there, but I think in general, in terms of this specific, back-to-back, which I'm sure would be heavy minutes both nights, I wouldn't blame them for sitting him down in one of these games uh, at all. Um, I wanted to bring up Matisse. uh, Matisse, who has been, you know, his defensive numbers are out of this world, and he might make an all-defense team, and he could absolutely, like Ben, be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Um, What do you guys see as the most likely fate for Matisse on the Sixers? Do you think it's him winding up in a trade this summer to get some other player here, do you think it's him continuing in his bench role or do you think he will be a starter alongside Simmons and Embiid and Tobias or whoever else uh, going forward? Like, what sort of ceiling do you see with him uh, and is that different than you saw at the beginning of the season, Emily?
2: I would love to see Matisse in, like, a starting role. I, he just seems, I like, if he can just, like, shoot, like a shit ton of threes this summer and just like learn to be money from like the corner three spot. Then I mean that would be great. He could be Danny Green but better.
1: Right. That's uh that's the archetype for like the sort of starter that he could be, which is like your fifth best offensive starter that just like doesn't screw anything up and he's in the right place and he can he can do that. I, I could absolutely see that, Dan. What do you think? Do you think it's more likely that he's a starter here long term or that he gets, you know, sort of sent elsewhere?
0: I don't know. I think I, I hadn't thought a ton past this year. I think it's it's tough to have him start. He's had a lot of success with Ben in a limited way, you know, like against, you know, in limited minutes against against certain teams. And there's moments where it's like, oh my God, like they're stealing every ball. No one's even getting a shot off against these guys. Um, but right. I, I, I think that you know, that lack of shooting in the starting lineup is probably not something that you want to be, you know, a feature of your best unit. And, and we are not really used to that. I mean, I guess the exception would be last year, but for the most part, since Ben and Joel have come up, our starting lineups have been among the league's best. And it's been other things that kind of throw us off. Um And I guess, you know, this year, really nothing has, has gone wrong, but you know, when things went wrong before, it was like, oh, the bench, like, you know, Mike Scott's our are, are, are sixth best player, like, you know, in the Toronto series, for example. Like, that. Right. It was, the starting lineup was always very good. Um, so I don't know how consistent that kind of starting lineup would be. I'm skeptical of Matisse becoming, you know, even a standstill, only taking him from the corner, not moving, you know, high 30s three-point shooter. I think that's a lot harder to to do than it than it is to say it like you know to just is you know we've said it about ben for years oh just stand in the corner and make him but even then it's it's you know it's not like some guys just don't have the touch and and it is a skill and not everyone picks up every skill so easily um i think that ideally they keep danny green next year and I, danny green would still start i think he's been really good this year um they mm-hmm. would have to they would have to bring him back um if it's one or the other i guess i would i would think maybe he gets he gets traded or maybe he stays and it, it really depends what the big picture is i think you know like if there's a if there's a trade and and you know not that i think this will happen but just hypothetically like a curry ass out you know Steph curry which i think he wants to be a warrior for life but you know if he did then then you know maybe that's another time where ben is back on the table where there's obviously very few players that's for and if he's you know if ben is moved then yeah, maybe Matisse starts. Matisse is a super important piece uh, in that case. That's
1: a big thing,
0: yeah. But if if Ben is still here, I'm not sure. I see, I see Matisse starting, but I also don't see him being moved just to move him, right? Like he, there, he's uh, so valuable in that bench role. You know, just because you can't start doesn't mean you get rid of him. So I guess if I had to take my biggest guess, it would be he's still coming off the bench next year, maybe playing more minutes than he has this year. There were definitely more minutes from the jump, obviously, because he wasn't playing a ton to start the year. Um, but I don't think either of the other two are super probable. And I think it's it's more of a big-picture question than a Matisse question, if anything changes.
1: Yeah, you know, Matisse, I think, would be such a starter on on a lot of teams because of how impactful he is on defense and the opportunities he creates. But on a Ben Simmons team with a big man who the offense is run around, then it really gets hard because if Matisse is shooting, you know, sub 30% from threes and Ben is not shooting them, then it's really hard to play tons and tons of minutes with that sort of unit if you want to play out of the post. And I think that's why it becomes a little tricky in terms of getting him into uh, being a starter. But he certainly, I think, has the talent to be, if you look around the league, there are guys around Matisse's level of player right now, even if they're like small utility guys who don't do much on offense, that can be very valuable. I think he's going to have a real part in the rotation. And I think just whether or not his shot is falling will determine whether or not he's really, really like part of the closing lineup or whether that ends up being, you know, Danny Green, George Hill, Seth, any of those. Um, Looking at the game tonight, Sixers playing the Suns. Last time Sixers played the Suns, they lost to them on the road. And then we talked to Srikar about it. Um, what do we think about this game? Let's assume everybody's healthy. Why not assume everybody's healthy. Do we like any matchups there? There's obviously Joel and Deandre Aiden. There's Ben Simmons and Devin Booker. There's the Kendall Jenner of it all. Um, and, uh, Deb Booker has been a really hard cover for Simmons. He's one of the few guys that has like really had his way with Ben throughout the years. And, and I think that it's a tough matchup for Ben. Um, what do we think? Do we think the Sixers have a good chance in this one tonight? Uh, they're at home, and and let's assume that everybody uh, everybody is playing. Emily, what do you think?
2: I mean, they definitely have a good chance. I would hope that, um, like Ben would not want to let Devin Booker get. I think he had like thirty-seven or something, maybe even more last time. Yeah. Um, prevent him from kind of doing that again as a as a source of pride. I would hope. Um, both for Taking his girl and putting up thirty seven on him. Mm. Um. So I would, I just hope that they like the Suns are a very good team, and I would just hope that they would want to come out and play their best against the Suns and make it a good game and not a boring game if that everyone's playing. But that's the hard thing. If no one's playing, then it could be like a a real slog and the kind of game where we're just like having fun because Paul Reed is starting which is fine I would
1: have <laughs> yeah. so. the The problem is that it would just be so much Mike Scott you know it's like I would love if Doc just started Rajon and Paul Reed and, and just let everybody have fun but I think it's unlikely um Dan what do you think at full strength uh how would you feel about this matchup and and sort of the player for player matchups within it
0: yeah I think it it's a good one I think that um if everyone's healthy, it's a game that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, obviously, Emily mentioned um, Booker and Simmons, um, and you know there is there is some truth that that Booker has given Ben a hard time. Um, I also think that Ben has played fine defense on Booker, and Booker said a lot of tough shots. Right. to Ben, um, which is you know not to do the whole Paul George like that was a bad shot thing, but <laughs> you know. And I'm. Also, it's also not like a defensive Ben. Like like Ben is a great defender, and also sometimes great defenders have great players put up a lot of points on them. Um, and it's it's really you know just a compliment to Booker that he is a very very good player. And and I'm I'm assuming they'll be mashed up again. I'm excited to see that Aiden's been playing really well. Um, yeah, he has. And he's, um, you know, so. Obviously, you have the the comments going way back when he was drafted, which was kind of rude by Joel, if I'm being honest, to (laughs) pull out his defense on the night he got drafted into the NBA. I know, I know. That was like a heat check. Yeah, he shouldn't have done that, but it's okay. Um, You know, that would be a good matchup. And, and, you know, not to just name all the best players on each team, but um, I think that the Sixers don't have anyone who I think is going to be an ideal uh, guy to guard Chris Paul. So um, I'm kind of looking for him to control the game a bit um, and see if the Sixers can overcome that. So it, it should be fun um, if everyone plays and it would be a really, really good win. If everyone played, um, I guess yeah. if everyone didn't play it would be an even better win. Cause all the, now that's are- a fun win.
1: That, yeah, that would be a good win. Um, we'll see, you know, I hope that, I hope that the guys play and that, that it's a fun game because I would really like to, uh, see how they stack up this time in Philadelphia. Um, McCall Bridges, of course, former Sixer mom works for the team is, uh, on the Suns, and, and that, that trade didn't work out as, is Zaire back in the league yet or is he not at all?
2: I don't think he's Uh, in the league.
0: Yeah. I don't think he's, let me check real quick, but I'm pretty sure he has not played all this year because he got cut right away. By, right. the, uh, by the by, uh, the the Pistons.
1: Yeah, because that's where
0: uh, yeah that's where Tony
1: Bradley came from.
0: Yeah, he hasn't played this year.
1: Um, what a weird start to his career! It's a shame that you know everything happened the way it did with him. What I a bummer! Mean,
0: it's probably not. It's probably just a weird career. I mean, I he's probably gonna have a hard time. It's, I hate to. I don't want to mean to write a guy off, but it'll be tough to, for him to come back just because of everything that's happened. I would love to see. I that know happen.
1: what you mean. You know, I, I kept thinking somebody would just take a flyer on him, like one of the bad teams that was right. figured to have minutes, but uh, it looks like nobody did. I don't know what's going on there, but I would love to see somebody take a flyer on him and see what he can be and play him in the G League a little bit. Um, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see that. Do you guys think the Suns are real title contenders in the West? I I, I think they're very good. They're clearly very good, and they've had a great season, but. In terms of who's gonna come out of the West, I sort of find myself thinking more about the LA teams. I don't know if I think about Utah more than them. Uh and Denver certainly with Jamal Murray, I would have had a cut above them. What do you guys think? Uh uh Emily, do you have an opinion or the Suns do the Suns have a real shot at the title this year?
2: I yeah, I think it depends on how healthy the LA teams are. Um and regards to their shot at the title, but also like anything can happen in a series. So I don't want to write them off. I would say that they are, I would say right now, like my third, that would give them like the third best chance to uh-huh. come out of the West. Um, but it, it, and that's thinking that, you know, the LA teams are fully healthy. You know, if they're not, then I think that the chances increase.
1: Yeah. The other thing that uh, we haven't talked about and we can just touch on quickly is that James Harden suffered a setback with his uh, uh, hamstring. And uh, this doesn't look like it should affect him deep into the playoffs at all. But what it really means is that Brooklyn is probably looking at about seven games altogether before the playoffs. So that's honestly just an interesting test case with like these three guys who are all on the ball a lot and they are going to have to figure out how to play together. You know, talent will, I think, is probably the best bet that, you know, their talent will, you know, rule out at the end of the day. But I'll be very interested to see how that goes, especially if they get a tough first-round matchup against Miami or somebody that knows how to play with each other. I would really be interested in that. So, Dan, uh, what do you think about that, you know, how that will affect Brooklyn? And, and quickly, do you think that uh, Phoenix is a real contender?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Phoenix is a contender. Um, I mm. think they have some really good players. I, You know, people talk about the lack of star power. Um, like, they don't have a Joel. They don't have a Harden. Whatever. If Booker gets hot, Booker is an absolute star. You know, we saw it in the bubble. So, um, and we, you know, g- guys get hot. Like, when you have guys who can make shots who maybe they're not 40% shooters, but they shoot a lot of threes and they can get hot. And all of a sudden, you know, for a month we hitting them at 50%. we saw that with the Heat last year in the playoffs. So, if Booker right. gets hot with him, Paul Eaton... They have a good bench. I think they absolutely are contenders. Um, as far as uh, Brooklyn, I, I think it's really interesting. I think that if they win this year, say they win a title this year, there will be a lot of people who are furious because they won having a bad defense for the season. They won having their guys not play together. And all the things that are supposed to matter a lot would kind of, you know, not that they don't matter, they still matter, but but there were, it would be like, you know, the fact that it's not the end-all be-all I think would really annoy people and, and frustrate people. Um, and that, like, talent can just win out. Offensive talent can just win out. But we'll see. Um, I agree with you. I would lean that way. But um, it should be an interesting an interesting thing. One thing I will say, though, is that it's not like they're coming in as the eighth seed and they struggled all year, but if only they get these three guys together. They're still right. only half a game back of the Sixers – for the best record in the East, despite those guys only playing seven games together. So like the other guys have learned to play together. They've learned to play around the other three at certain points. The other three are are good friends. And I think they probably have played together in off seasons and stuff. And, you know, Harden's played with Durant before. Uh, I, I think that they probably will be able to figure it out because it's not like they just stink, you know, with these guys out, they're still really good. And they have these guys coming back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that, uh, I think it'll be super interesting. You know, they could have this incredibly tough if they, if they're second, I think the way things stand today, they would have to get through uh, Miami and then Milwaukee and then the Sixers it provided that all those other teams win. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think it's really a test case and uh, it could go either way, but you're right. Brooklyn has been winning a ton of games and, and they're going to be a tough out for it. literally anybody in the league. So we will see. Um, that should just about do it for this episode on Locker Room. Uh, we're back. We're recording on Sunday with Brandon, Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. So maybe we can take some Eagles and Sixers fans questions for uh, for that interview as we'll be talking about the Sixers and the Eagles. and uh, And that'll be fun. Do you guys have anything else before we get out of here?
2: No,
0: I have
1: nothing. All right. Well, good to talk to you both as always. Congratulations, Emily, on your doctorate. Um, We will be back with you with an episode on Monday. and, And yeah, good talking to you guys.
0: See ya.
2: See ya.